That's where we'll be. A thrilling chase. A wondrous place for, for you, you and me. Welcome. Since we're talking all things Finding God in Neverland, we thought we'd start out with some classic Scott and Tabitha Disney. <laughs> but that was like our song for a long time. That was like a prophetic word to us. That was our jam. Is this still our jam? Probably. We should think about that. We should. What is your Disney song? If you have a Disney song, share it with Although, us. Although I have so many Disney songs because Rapunzel, like I Got a Dream, whew, that song still gets me in the feels. Colors of the Wind? Colors of the Wind, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I did really like that song when I was little. I loved Pocahontas when I was little. I didn't realize it until I was older. That's usually how it is. Uh, deep. It is a deep word. C.S. Lewis. I can't claim credit for that. <laughs> C.S. Lewis said that, um, paraphrasing, he said that when he was a child, he thought like a child and he played like a child with childish things. But as he grew older, he put away childishness, including the fear of being a child. Uh, I think that's one of those things that we see in Disney that yes. well, opened us to. That's why so many people are adults and Disney freaks. For children of every age. Oh, good job, Disney. I know. It says that in the four keys. You're supposed to make sure that as a a Disney cast member, you think about children of every age. Because childhood is not necessarily an age as much as, I don't know. It a sounds state cheesy. of being. It sounds cheesy, but really <laughs> is, it is. It is a place to live life from. Thusly, we find God in Neverland, <laughs> where you never grow up. Yeah. And the Lord does say that we need childlike faith, that we need to come as little children. Yeah. Not to hugely nerd out or stay on this point too long, but one of my favorite things that an uh, author named G.K. Chesterton pointed out in a book called Orthodoxy, he said, children love to repeat things over and over again. Like, with our four kids, we see that. They love the same movie for like a right, month. Right. They watch it every day, sometimes multiple times a day. And he noted that children were like that. And he said that the sunrise is the same day after day after day after day. And the sun has been rising like that for thousands and thousands, millions of years. And he noted that... And who's getting over the sunrise? Right. And he said God never got, <laughs> has never gotten over that sunrise, that one sunrise. So he said that God loves it just like a child loves to repeat things. So he said maybe God is not eternally old. Maybe he's eternally young. Forever young. <laughs> so, in that, I think Disney had awakened us to the idea of how do we live as adults, but with the hearts and imaginations of a child, faith of a child. Yeah. Yeah. We struggled with that. Yeah, we struggled. Especially, at, I think, when we started our family, 
we started to struggle with that concept because we started to feel the responsibilities of married life, of being parents. Um, and you wanted to start talking about specifically the first time that we moved to Disney. Yep. So we lived in Orlando, Florida twice um, with a year in between. So the first year, well, our first year of marriage, we lived in Brooklyn just briefly. Mm-hmm. And then felt the Lord call us to South Carolina so we could be a part of a ministry called Morning Star, um, which was incredible. But the whole time we were there, we were there for about a year Mm -hmm. living with friends and we just never really found our place and we never settled. We didn't feel like we were growing. We didn't feel like we were making movement toward anything. We felt like... And we didn't feel like it was bad. Right. It wasn't a bad time, but... It wasn't a forward time. We felt stuck, and we felt like we were just still. So we prayed, as you do when you do life with God, and um, we sought a lot of confirmation and prayers of our friends and trusted mentors and family and... Mm-hmm. And the plan B in the back of our minds when we had moved to South Carolina was, well, Scott's parents are moving to Orlando. They're buying their house before they're moving there because it was for retirement. And so they would have it before they could actually finish work. So we thought, oh, we'll just, as a plan B, and they had offered this to us and any of his family members as a plan B, you know, we always have our house in Florida. If you get stuck, if you get, you know, into a place where you need it, you know, just know that house, that our house (laughs) is your house. Cause my parents have said, you can always come home and they meant it. Yeah. So (laughs) we got to a point where we didn't feel like it was plan B anymore. (laughs) We felt like that needs to be, it became plan A, the plan. Because I think after after prayer and feeling stuck, we felt like the Lord saying we needed a major jump. Yeah. Um, if we were gonna get out of where we were. Right. If we, we were gonna make any change. Yeah. If we were gonna make any movement forward toward the dreams and callings that we saw so clearly, then we needed to actually literally move. <laughs> because yeah. We were stuck. So for the second time in our marriage, we left yep. without home, without job, without yep. guarantee of income. So twice we felt the Lord saying to make this leap. And we really had no money. <laughs> the first time we moved to Fort Mill, we had savings, which lasted a third of the time that we were expecting. <laughs> but this time, yeah, we had nothing. We we had what could fit in the minivan that we took, and then I remember we got that like tiny storage space. Remember our tiny storage space? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. It was like four feet by four feet. It was like yeah, like a <laughs> cubby. We paid for it for a long time. So we we got confirmation. We felt confident about the decision. We felt the Lord's peace. We, we didn't, it wasn't a hasty decision at all. Like we, we were confident. So we moved down to Orlando into Scott's parents' house and we lived there for quite a while by ourselves. 
Yeah, before they retired, a few months. Um, I mean, they would come down for a vacation. They vacationed but, at their house. <laughs> but it was a rough season. Yeah. We didn't have anything. We didn't know how we were going to survive, even though we had shelter <laughs> and we had clothing. Um, we had a baby on the way. We had one child and one coming. And we just, we really had no clue how mm-hmm. we were going to survive. Uh, but we did have annual passes to Disney World. <laughs> so the We only already thing, had them before we moved there. The only thing we could afford to do was go to Disney. Like, what? That was our <laughs> life. We were so, we didn't make any money. I, I need to stress this. Like, we didn't, yeah. we couldn't do anything once we got into the park. Except oh, yeah. be at the park. Like I forgot. I had, I was a web designer at that point and I was still doing some jobs, but it was trickling out and like within two weeks of us being in Florida, it was done. Yeah. Like, so we had we really just didn't have anything except Disney. So we spent days <laughs> and days. We just went to Disney World <laughs> all the time. Wondering about walking down Main Street. Wondering about our future. <laughs> right. And wondering, like, what is our life? And I think this is, that was the beginning, really, of where Finding God in Neverland came from, was because yeah. we we were so desperate and so hopeless. Like, our, that was like, our hope was seriously deferred. Yeah. <laughs> and it was such a rough season. And yeah. the hardest time in our life we spent at the happiest place on earth such irony so we just want to tell stories about how god showed up when we were at disney and we were talking a little bit before we started and just realizing like we saw god more like do more and more active and like showing up more yeah when we were literally in the disney parks versus when we were outside of them doing our normal day-to-day life yeah. Um and, and it eventually took a while to Yeah. And eventually Scott started to work there, which is kind of another thing, but man, I wish I could remember like the first thing that happened. I feel like it's probably has to do with Sayla, our daughter. She actually had the most favor at Disney. She did, but I was actually thinking about her cuz I I noticed our first time that we were so happy and got kind of some relief from how we were feeling was going to Raglan Road and how excited Sayla was to go see the kicky dancing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Irish dancing. Sayla called it kicky dancing. And she was not even quite two yet, but she would ask, go kicky dancing. Yeah. And, and she would want to Raglan, go to Raglan Road, Road is um, at Disney Springs, now Disney Springs, but what used to be downtown Disney. It's an Irish restaurant that we love mm-hmm. shout out to raglan road i know and the people incredible there. food amazing yeah amazing staff waiters yeah. waitresses host hostess whatever. last time we were there i noticed that the the dancer that was like the head dancer and had started all that they have like a plaque for her in raglan road honoring her yeah and she's the one that like loved sayla she would make a beeline for sayla whenever we were there and bring her up on stage and we were just, yeah. we started to enjoy our family. Right. I think that started a breakthrough. And we started sense. to get to know this <laughs> Irish 
step dancer at this restaurant in <laughs> Disney Springs. I mean, she was literally from Ireland, like off the boat, had a strong accent and everything. And she took notice in us and we felt like that was favor from the Lord. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so many cool stories about Selah. So let's just tell stories about Selah. I know we could. One day, I mean, so we never had any money. I've already mentioned that. And we would go to Disney World and what do you see? But all the snacks and all the toys and all the Disney paraphernalia. And she was only two at the time. So she didn't, she wasn't a consumer yet. No. <laughs> she didn't understand yet. And we could be there, but we could not buy anything there. Right. And so she didn't feel bad about that. That didn't hurt her heart. But and broke ours. We, yeah, it broke our hearts because we wanted to enjoy and have her enjoy just like everybody else was. So we would, uh, like when we did have money, we would buy like one snack and share it between the three of us. Yeah, $5 popcorn. But Sayla would just pop up out of the stroller or whatever. And so the first time that it happened, I remember we were in Tomorrowland. I think that's the first time it happened. And um, they were just like, oh, and give that little girl a popcorn too. Or no, Mickey Pretzel. Give this princess a Mickey Pretzel. Just gave her a pretzel and said, it's on Mickey. Right. And we were just like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Because we we were living in such like poverty, even (laughs) though we were at Disney World. That we cried over getting that Mickey pretzel. Yeah. And our whole spirits were like in poverty. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we didn't get it. But yeah. It was a season that we were starting to understand that we were like our spirit, our mindset was poverty. Like, and that started to wake us up because we thought it depended on us. Right. And all of a sudden we were in a season where we couldn't do anything. Right. But we were still doing things at the happiest place on earth. Yeah. I remember one time going to the Main Street candy candy shop and they were doing samples outside of some of the things. So we get there and they're like, samples? And we're like, oh my gosh, free samples. Yes, like we can try some of these fun things inside <laughs> the store. And, you know, our kid, like, sales always like, can I get candy? Can I get whatever? No, 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 no. But we could get them. But not only did we get the samples, but then... The people making cotton candy are like, oh, come here. Like, they forced us to take a giant bag of cotton candy. Yeah. Cotton candy. Oh, just take that. Oh, yeah. oh, take that. Well, and that's something I did not learn until I went through traditions that cast members are empowered to make guests vacations, the vacation of a lifetime. In Disney traditions, they emphasized and said... I think it's a family of four on average spends $7,000 on their one week trip to Disney. And that's with flights and souvenirs and tickets and food. And and they emphasized and said, this could be their one and only time here. And kind of emphasized, you will make sure it is the vacation of a lifetime. <laughs> and I think that we started to, to see that kind of like lavishness. Yeah being poured out on us and we did not know how to receive that and we didn't do anything for it we weren't oh so we weren't making money like we weren't working we We didn't earn this right we really (laughs) didn't earn it and we were getting gifts um (sighs) once scott started working for disney we got to bring family to disney for free and I'm tearing up just thinking about 
bringing my mama to Disney for the first time. And just the favor of the Lord in that season where we still had so much lack, but we could bring my mother to Disney World. She had never been there. She had never anticipated being there. And again, it was just like the Lord saying, like, look what I can do. You don't, like, it's not because of what you do. It's because of how I love you. It's not... It's not because yeah. you work so hard to earn this money to buy this ticket, you know? It's just like, because I want to do Grace. this and I want to do it for... And then we started learning about what he wanted to do for other people through what he was giving us, you know? So oh, yeah. then it started to yeah, become a lesson to of others. Of yeah. yeah. Like sharing it. And just like the goodness that I give to you is not yeah. only for you. like. Yeah. Our hearts started to like loosen up. They were hard. They yeah. started to loosen up. Yeah. Through giving. Right. Yeah. But I, it's crazy. The first, I think one of the things we learned at Disney is the first act of giving is receiving. Yeah. Yeah, because we spent those first months. I mean, every pretty much every time we went in the park, we got something free. It was, Food in some wise. sense, like it hurt. It really hurt my pride. <laughs> like it really killed my pride. It was almost like a rebuke. Every time we got something. Yeah. The first time it was neat, but then when it kept happening, it was almost like a re- like a rebuke from the Lord. Yeah. Even yeah. like other people would see us and buy us things. Like we were just like, what yeah. is going it's on? It's super hard to receive. Why? So we were living these lifestyles and didn't know it that we were, we wanted to be givers and we always talked about being great givers, but we didn't want to receive anything like, oh, don't give me help. You know, don't give me charity. Don't give me, you know, no, no, I'll give you. And it was like a pride thing. Like it was really hard to receive all that favor. And it's favor. Like we want to live in the favor of the Lord. But here we are realizing that we're not open to receiving gifts. Yeah. Ugh. So we kind of got to die at the happiest place on earth. Yeah. And it's true. You don't always have to die in a wilderness. Right. I really hate that. People think that you have to go through some kind of traumatic thing. Right. In order to have growth. Right. A painful, you know, you have to go through something painful or terrible or like something really horrifying in order for God to do something good. Meanwhile, we're living at Disney World. We could go there every single day and raise our children there. But we were dying. It was really effective. Yeah. (laughs) It was really effective. Um, And we started to see things. And I started to... I feel like I started to write more. Yeah. And then you started to get opportunities to dance. And it was like the Lord was gently reawakening our, our callings from this place of finally starting to be able to receive. Like there was a definite link. We had wanted to move in our callings. We had wanted to move in our passions, and we were like, why can't we move? And I think the first lesson why we weren't moving in those things is because we didn't have a a spirit of joyfully receiving. Yeah. How do you joyfully give until you joyfully receive? You you can't. Right. And speaking of callings, another story. Hildegard. Hildegard. (laughs) Yeah. Main Street character. She's not there anymore. No, but there's these women that used to walk around Main Street and they were just dressed as... Women's suffrage. Yeah. Women's suffrage. And music teachers and Um, Victorian age music teachers. Yeah. 
And they would just walk around and, like, talk to you. But they remained in character and take pictures with you. They didn't perform, I don't think. They didn't perform anything, but they would just walk around and talk to you. So we saw this one lady with bright red hair and her big, poofy Victorian dress and all the way down to her ankles. And um, we saw her often. And, like, she just took notice of us one day. And I kid you not, this woman prophesied over us yeah. on Main Street. For like how long? I don't know. Was it, at least, it was like at least 10 minutes she stopped and talked to us and spoke over Sayla's life. Yeah. Spoke over us. Yeah. And we were like, why is this happening <laughs> here? Why yeah. here? Why now? And I don't mean she's like, oh, you look like a friendly little princess. She like took our hands and started to tell us yeah. how amazing Sayla was. Yeah. You, do you... You need to know the kind of daughter that you have. Yeah. You need to know what's inside of her. Like yeah. she was so insistent on the the special thing yeah. waiting to be released in Sayla. She Sayla. talked about her creativity. She talked about her as an artist. She talked about her writing, yeah. which she writes She's such, constantly, like, constantly now. Constantly writes. She writes books like every day. Like it's no yeah. big deal. <laughs> like chapter and index and right. crazy like writes books. Um, so that was incredible. Yeah. And it was like every time we were at like our lowest, which happened often in that season, we would go to Disney and the Lord would show up. And I was talking to Scott about it before. And I feel like it's that whole thing with creativity. Like we were talking about in our last episode, just it's a place where every, every Turner, every Turner, Every corner you turn, someone's tapping, right? With their smile. They're tapping yeah. into that realm. Disney was full of taps. Yeah. So the atmosphere <laughs> was rich for harvest and rich for miracles and the things of God because people were moving yeah. in, in, in their calling. Yeah. Like daily minute by minute and what they were pursuing like if you listen to what walt disney was pursuing he wasn't he was never like hey let me make money at this if anything he stressed his brother roy out with how he would throw everything into a project that could have ruined him yeah repeatedly disney could have fell bankrupt within his lifetime repeatedly and even after his lifetime, in the 80s, they were talking about who's going to buy it out until Michael Eisner took over. So it's like, and now it's what it is today. Now now people are like, you know, what about antitrust laws? And <laughs> it's gotten so big that people are nervous that it's too big. Where just, you know, 30 years ago, people were talking about who's going to buy Disney so that it could continue. Mm. I think when I was a kid, um, the theme parks were 17% of its total profits as a company. And even though they're still doing well, that's shrunk because now they have like Marvel and all that kind of stuff. It's like huge. But I think there was something about, I, I really think it's about where it started. And that's not to say like people haven't sewn into it since then or that what Disney and those around him did will last forever. You know, who knows? But I definitely think they can see the ripple effects of what Disney did. And he was sewing it for people. Mm. He always had people in mind. He always had the family in mind. He was always talking about community. So if you listen to the message being shared, uh, you know, I get 
I feel some sort of way when people talk about the negative messages of Disney, especially mm. if it's specifically Walt Disney himself. I get, I'm like, you don't listen. Yeah. You know, we talked a little bit about Carousel Progress. Sayla always asks, what's your favorite ride? You know, I, I have no idea. But I pay attention to this, this track of Carousel of Progress because it was a Walt Disney-based ride. It, it was like at the World's Fair here in New York City, where we are. And um, it was all about the family over time. <clears throat> and then he created a ride um, called Horizons. And it was like the continuation. So Carousel of Progress said, what has the family been like up till now? And Horizons was like, what will the family be like in the future? And there's like even a sneaky... You know, instead of calling it an Easter egg, Disney fans always call it a five-legged goat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the five-legged goats that you see in uh, Spaceship Earth, in this whole ride that's about communication across the globe, you s- if you go past um, the area that's like, um, I don't even know what time period that is. I guess you, call it, you could call it medieval time period. You see a woman and a man playing, you know, the, those like old, they look like guitars. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> Strumming along. Sitar. Minstrels. No. I'm not a sitar. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but those two figures are the father and the daughter from Carousel of Progress. As you pass by. So if you go on Spaceship Earth and you're going through time, look for that. Like those two pair that are off to the right. And you'll notice, oh my goodness, that's the mom and dad from Carousel of Progress. Because for Disney, it was this concept of not just, hey, let's do technology, let's do fun things, let's do creative things. It was always based on community. Mm. Experimental prototype community of tomorrow. You know, that's all. Oh, so not only is he about community, but he's also about what's going to come after him. His whole life was what's going to come after him. Is it going to keep going? He says, you know, we built the park and it's beautiful, but it's going to keep getting more beautiful as the trees grow and as people have new ideas. And it was always like beyond him. Yeah. I always think uh, Graham Cook says that the definition of an apostle is a grandparent. So to be able to produce something that lasts for generations after you, I f- like there had to be some kind of spiritual truths acted on. Whether you've done them, you did it with the Lord or without the Lord, could I guess be debatable. But so for uh, for us, I think we started to see this message that spoke to us about family and future, and how to pursue our passions and our dreams was going to take, like focusing on us, mm-hmm. and how to have fun with us. Yeah. I don't remember the story about Sayla getting that doll, but... Ugh. Oh, the attractionista. She was dying for this doll. She wanted to start this collection so bad with the attractionista collection. Which is all... The dolls are friends who... If I I remember this story right... They're from the ride. They're friends... That loved Disney World, who made a wish on a falling star to always be friends, and some kind of magic happened, and then they reflect their rides. Yeah. 
like you have Gracie who is dressed a lot like the Haunted Mansion. Mm-hmm. And the Haunted Mansion is called Gracie Manor. Yeah. So you have these things. Um, and she always wanted one. I was like, no, 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 no. no those dolls were expensive. <laughs> they were expensive. <laughs> and then we used to do father-daughter dates at Disney World. Yeah. And when was it? We were just about out of the park at the Emporium. And we were walking out. I always walk through the Emporium. Um, because Main Street's too crowded. <laughs> the shops on Main so, Street and Magic Kingdom. If you walk the shops, it's air-conditioned and tends to be faster than walking Main Street where people stop and take lots of photos along the way or make their these decide to plan their day in the middle of Main Street. So people should have talked at least a month beforehand. So we were walking through the shops and a cast member stopped us and he said, is it okay if I give your daughter a gift. I'm like, yeah. I'm really thinking it's going to be candy. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, sure. It's like firework time. So it's like 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, give my kid candy. Thanks. Right? And he gives her a no strings attached slip for an attractionista doll. Which she had been praying for. Yep. What? Yep. So she just went and got it. No and then attached. he took us to make sure he could get the exact one that she went. He followed us throughout the whole process. He came, he, the Emporium had run out of no strings attached. So we had to go over to, um, not City Hall. Yeah, City Hall, I think. Mm. And he found some no strings attached and wrote it out for her and followed us. And yeah, Sayla's favorite Disney is kind of crazy. My siblings joked that they would want to take Sayla with them so that they could get stuff. <laughs> Except now, they all have favor every time they go to Disney. They all have stories so of favor. It's, it's great. really cool. The testimony of Jesus just... Is the spirit of prophecy we gotta creating keep stuff. sharing these yeah. stories, but yeah. we really, we really, the Lord showed up. And he yeah. did stuff like this, and he didn't need to, and we didn't need it. Well, we did need it. <laughs> That's why he did it. We didn't ask for it. We didn't, we didn't, like spend you know hours of prayer and fasting like please give us favor when we go to disney world we just wanted jobs and we wanted to be able to buy a gallon of milk and just we wanted, wanted to, to live we wanted to get out of our parents house we wanted to be able to live on our own we couldn't do any of those things we couldn't support ourselves yeah. enough and yet he showed us you know i i still see you i'm still yeah. gonna love you and it's gonna be super unconventional but that's because Ugh. I need you to know that it's me and that it's not man and it's yeah. not outside forces working. <laughs> like, nah. I need you to know it's me and that's why I'm just going to keep doing miracles at Disney World. <laughs> and we would pray for a home and my dad being him would say, God gave you one. Yeah. I'm like, but we want our own home. We want, you know, we want to be able to afford to have a house Right. At a nice place, we close to Disney. We couldn't and he afford would, the life we were living. Right. And he would just say, you already do. It seems do. like you have that. Yeah. <laughs> a house, a pool. So he helped to drive in the fact that we we wanted it to be us right. doing it. Right. We wanted it to be us doing it. Right. And it wasn't. It was just kindness. And we learned and so much and about compassion. And yep. loving others and, ugh. Yeah. And we learned so much about just the way that God moves and mm-hmm. the way that he works and how how unlike us he is, <laughs> how he just 
Yeah. yeah, I just keep thinking of the word unconventional. Like, he's not conventional. He's not logical. He's not... So he didn't give us the things we were asking for. He didn't give us a house. He didn't give us a job that made us a big salary so that we yeah. could get our own house. He didn't give us yeah. a car. He didn't... No, he did give us a car. He did. That's kind of funny. Like he, <laughs> but, but we didn't earn it. He, he didn't give he us just, the things we were praying for, but he changed us and he showed up and he showed us himself and he showed us his love for us and he showed us his favor and yeah. his grace and yeah. his care over our lives. And that <clears throat> far outweighed having anything else that we thought we needed. Yeah. And that's what we learned in that season yeah. when we started to find God in Neverland. So one more story. One more story. Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Do you want to tell the Mary Poppins story? I don't even remember how it happened. We were sitting <clears throat> outside of the candy shop on Main Street, as we often did. Yep. And uh, Mary Poppins asked if she could take Sailor for a walk around the circle. Yeah, Mary Poppins came out. Mary Poppins doesn't come out very often, so it's kind of a big deal when she walks down the street in general. She doesn't oh, come out every day. <laughs> With the new movie out. So when she comes out, everything kind of stops and everybody just watches her. And she doesn't even take pictures with everyone. She doesn't have like a photo op spot. You have to kind of like be in a good place with mm-hmm. whoever is walking her around. Like, I don't know. They just have to like you, I guess. Yeah, and they'll the stop handlers, and take a picture with you. They're very protective of, of the characters. So Mary Poppins just decided that she, she needed yeah. to... Not just have a photo with Sayla, but take a slow, leisurely stroll. Like, take her by the hand and walk her slowly around yeah. um, the, the little roundabout yeah. area by the flagpoles, it was by the train six station. It minutes of walking. Oh, my gosh. And she just talked to her. She just made her feel like she was the only person in the world at Disney World. Yeah. She looked in her eyes. She had her little par- like, uh, parasol. parasol over them to block them from the sun. Um, yeah. What kindness. What lavish love the Father has for us. If we will only... It's exactly how God wants to be with us. Yeah. If he we has will only open our eyes world. to see it and receive <laughs> it and to see what he's doing constantly. But yeah. you ne- we needed to be at that place yeah. of receiving, yeah. of being childlike. And that's the thing I want to point out was just that, like, God has the entire world. He has he has this schedule. He everything is upheld by the word of his power. Like he is doing it constantly, but somehow he can stop everything to be with us. Yeah, and make us feel like we're the only ones in the world. And we have so much more gratitude, and we <laughs> see. We see favor and we, we are grateful for small things and we've built that culture up in our family too. Like, and it's only by the grace of God and it's only because of that season where yeah. we had nothing and he gave us everything. Like, yeah. he literally, he put us at Disney World when we were, <laughs> when we were nothing. Would you like to pray for people? That's like a good point to pray. Sure. So, Jesus, I pray for anyone listening right now that if they're at that place right now where they feel lack, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, emotional, yeah, that you would, I know you're already there. I don't even have to ask you to show up. I don't want to pray that you would show up because you're there. I hope they would see that you're there. I hope they would be able to walk into a room in their house and realize 
my goodness, God is here. Look at what he's done. I, I hope they'll be able to look in the face of their child or their spouse or their friend and realize that person is a gift from you, that everything about that person is for them. I hope they'll be able to walk around their neighborhood or their places of work and just have their eyes open and their hearts open to see the beauty, to see the beautiful things that you're mm-hmm. trying to provide for them, the ways that you're trying to spend yeah. time with them. Yeah. They're not conventional, they don't make sense, they're fun, they're childish, they're silly, but they're deep too and meaningful. I pray that um, people would have their eyes open to see the wellspring of life all around them, that they would take joy in the moments all around them, that they would grasp this day and just be softened to be able to see what you're doing in it. And Lord, I just ask that you would reveal how you created creation for us yeah you created cotton candy yeah for us yeah you created the trees for us you created everything that seems like it's a situation that we need to do something for that it needs our effort to get done that you would just give us a reality check lord and anybody listening to this would just get a reality check that that's not why you created it you didn't create it to put a put us in bondage to make us feel like we are obligated to do something that you don't create gardens for us to tend so that we have a job to do, but that we can feel fulfilled. Yeah. That it's something that's going to be additive to us, not subtractive. Yeah. That in your goodness and in your grace, it says you prepared things for us from the foundations of the earth, good works to do, that we are created for good work, and that we ourselves are your good work and your expression of what that is. And we just f- uh, pray for people to be free and that to freely receive so that they can freely give. Yeah. Amen. Amen. We love you, people. Um, again, if you have a story, please share it. Um, we'll, we'll be talking on Facebook. Um, you can message us. If you have any kind of questions or you're curious about something that we said, uh, talk to us on Facebook or Instagram. And... Um, It could become something that we talk about here. We would love it. We would love your ideas and your feedback. Goodbye from La La Land.